Hello, I'm Mark Geary, and I am the arbiter of all that is funny and humorous. You're listening to, or watching, You Think That's Funny podcast. Uh, a podcast about what is and isn't funny. If you want to follow along with what we discuss in this episode, go to youthinkthatsfunnypodcast.com. On this week's episode, we have Eva Lafever, who is an accomplished burlesque and dance performer and is the artistic director at the critically acclaimed Newport Theatre. Welcome, Eva. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, quick disclosure, I have known Eva for upwards of three years now. We are friends and colleagues, so this will be a nice chatty familiar type one. Not one of those bumpy, uh, we don't really know each other podcasts. So, Eva, we've got the list and we're ready to go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so up, up, uh uh subject number one is the thorny old issue of cats being idiots so you sent me three videos i'm just going to quickly recap them uh there's the, the the cat lawyer zoom that is now enshrined in folklore i feel <laughs> um there was the cat being sampled and then used to make a uh a music video that one definitely got the attention of one of my cats who was asleep in my office at the time and was <laughs> very much not asleep by the end of that clip and then finally there was the third one was the oh the cat, the cat jumping the cat. to sail Cat jump fail, yep. So a whole gamut of catdoms. Now, obviously, cats are the dominant internet force these days. So give me, give me your background on what your take on the cats is. Like, where do you come in with this? Okay, well, first of all, I've owned cats, like, my whole life, like, ever since I was a kid. Um, and obviously, I think, um, I, I think cats get a really bad rap. I think everyone thinks that they're like shitty and standoffish and stuff. But I think when you own cats, you realize that like they all have really distinct personalities. But the one thing that I think is universal is they all think that they're like the shit and have a lot of pride. And so I think what's what's funny about cat videos and stuff is that they just have this air that they're kind of holier than thou. And then um, just seeing them be like, it's always like they act like a total idiot and then they do that walk away like, oh yeah, whatever, I told them not to do that. Which I just I just think is so hilarious because I think, um, I see that sometimes in people too where like you're just unwilling to be dumb and you try to like overcompensate for it and I just think it's ridiculous. So I remember the cat lawyer video, I watched it probably 20 times on repeat and I was laughing so hard that my boyfriend was like, seriously concerned about me because when when I laugh really hard I do this like old man wheezing situation where I'm like <laughs> and I was definitely like having trouble breathing huh. um and yeah I mean I think like I think that video is just an amalgamation of things like obviously that's not specifically cats being um proud like I was talking about earlier but well, it's a double takedown isn't it because you're taking down cats and lawyers at the same time <laughs> like two of the cockiest things on the planet going down at once it's like if I didn't know it was real I would have sworn it was staged too because that guy's the the cat lawyer's dopey ass voice you know him being like oh I, I don't know <laughs> like that also just was the icing on the cake for that yeah I think I think like there's just so much comedy about people kind of being taken down a peg 
that I really relate to. And like, I see that a lot in burlesque too, like people um, like in positions of power kind of like knocked down a level, which I think can be really like, uh, like you were saying, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to, it, it's uh, it's gratifying to see in some sense. I can't really describe <laughs> why. Yeah. And also as someone who's a complete idiot when it comes to Zoom, I could just relate. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the backstory is like his secretary was using his computer and she had put on that filter or like her son was using it, I think. And like they had left on that filter and then they couldn't figure out how to like turn it off. Huh. But uh, yeah, I, I just, and the eyes, I, I don't know if you, I, mean, I know you've seen that yeah. video, oh, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I was just looking around. It's, yeah. Yeah. Get me out stupid. of here. But to return to the cats then, so it, you have a lifelong affinity for cats and just seeing them taken down a peg is just the point of cat videos, right? Yeah, well, and I think cats, like, really, I mean, animals in general, they just have such a, like, diversity of, exp like, again, at the, so the one video that I sent to Mark, it's, like, this cat making these inhuman sounds, like, this person keeps going to pet the cat, and the cat's like, Rawr! you know, and, yeah. and I have a very vocal cat myself that just, like, comments on everything, and is always, like, meowing and chattering in this you know in this weird way where you're like are you even a cat this doesn't sound like an animal would make this noise and so yeah i really like that video too because i actually liked the song that she remixed like once she got all the sounds together and it got put together i was like damn i would rock out to this you know like yeah i was expecting jingle cats when i saw the the you know the clip thing and but then she'd done something a little more clever with it right <laughs> yeah. like put it into an actual uh dance tune yeah, and she had a good voice, and the lyrics made sense for the cat topic. So, um, so yeah, I thought that all around it was just like I, I, I'm just always really amazed, especially now, like um, post well during this whole pandemic period, like what people are inspired to do and what they make. You know, like I would not hear those those tones from a cat and be like, you know what, this sounds like it could be, huh. you know, a really fun remix about not touching animals. Um, <laughs> And then that last video, again, I watched that that video years and years ago, and I think it really appeals to like my sensibility as a dancer, just because it's so weirdly perfectly timed to the music. So it's like this cat, um, I mean, I, I'm recapping these and I know that there's ways that the audience can see them, but um, like it's this cat peeking over a clothesline to that song, Sail by AWOL Nation. And, and it, when it goes sail, it like jumps off the edge of uh, a patio. And I did research it. The cat was fine and was not harmed in the making of the video. But yeah. like, again, one thing with burlesque and, um, and dancing is like, you know, and I think it's true with comedy too, that like timing can be really hilarious if it's executed well. Hmm. And I think like my partner always talks about like a lot of comedy is like establishing a deviant pattern and then normalizing it or a step like normalizing a pattern and then deviating from it. And yeah. so that video, I think it's like this cat again is so cool and calm. And so like, you know, like peering over and like creeping around. And then all of a sudden it just jumps and it looks so fucking ridiculous. You know, I just, <laughs> I don't know. It just every, I, I'm like always prepared for that moment. And I'm still always taken surprise by yeah. it. And can't stop loving. Anyway. The, the, the anthro, anthro, Amorphization. I can never get the word of the animal is the 
the fun part as well. I, 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 I had a, I had a pet rabbit when I was a kid, and one of the funniest things I ever saw it would, it would dig a little hole at the top of a bank, of a, of a like a flower bed, and then roll in it. You know, because they do that to. Uh, get rid of fleas or you know they do that sort of clean and the rabbit once dug the hole and it rolled in the hole did it too aggressively and rolled all the way down the flower bed into <laughs> like a ditch and when he he got up and he just looked around as if to say who who the hell did that like and it was <laughs> i was just sat laughing like you did it you knob like you're the one that did it don't look for it to blame anyone around here mr rabbit you did that to yourself <laughs> But anyway. yeah, and cats always have that energy like they'll do something really really ridiculous and then they'll just kind of walk away like whatever you didn't see that like that <laughs> attitude of like being of shifting from like zero to 100 in terms of being so ridiculous one second and then just being totally like turning their back on you and licking their paws like you didn't yeah. see that I didn't make an idiot <laughs> out of myself I just think it's so silly and again I feel like when, when you're talking about anthropomorphic elements like I think I see people do that where like something embarrassing will happen and then people will try to play it off and like, or try to like be cool through it. And like, I always think that's a, it's such a ridiculous approach to try to like cover your ass. Like, I think it's just better to be like, Oh yeah, that was stupid. And as yeah. opposed to trying to like, Oh, I was never an idiot. You just mistook what you yeah. saw. <laughs> you know? Human aspect. All right. Well, let's go to point number two then S- subject two. So you can, you can set this up. So, um, Connor cons a local drag performer. Give me, give me the background. Okay, I don't even know where to start with this person. So Connor cons is a is a drag. I don't even know if I don't think it's appropriate to say queen or king because honestly, they explore a lot of different characters, um, both male and female. Mm-hmm. But like, they're just really a quintessential performance artist, and they just have all of these different looks and personalities that they re- that they link to these like really highly curated drag looks. So some of my favorites, I, the first exposure I really had to Connor was they were hosting a show as Nosferatu yeah. and you know, they had the voice and, and I sent you a clip of, um, yeah. of him like trying to host a, a dinner party and he's like, you know, trying to set up a nativity scene for Christmas and it's burning his hands and stuff. And he's just, he commits so fully to his characters that like you almost would, wouldn't, think it's the same person or like last night Newport had a digital fundraiser show and, and he submitted an act um, where he was playing the vision from the Marvel universe. But have you seen WandaVision, Mark? I don't watch superhero. Oh my I'm, God. I'm too old and, and gravitas for that sort of stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, what did they say? It's just no. Um, well, if you, I, I would say, like, I'm not normally a superhero person, although I will say that Adam and I watched all of the Marvel movies in order over the pandemic. Oh, God. Which, superhero um, movies are so tedious to me. I don't even want to go in that rabbit hole. Carry oh, on, I, though. No, to be honest, I kind of I kind of hated them. Like, I liked, like, three out of the, whatever, 80 billion that we watched, <laughs> yeah. but I was, we were just so bored that, like, he was like, we could do, like, all the Marvel movies, and I was like... <laughs> all right and then he was like really like really you would and i'm like yeah whatever but like most of the time it was just me loudly making fun of them while adam tried to pay attention to the movie so i remember i watched um there was this i called it i kept calling it thor fraggle rock which was not the name of it i think it's called thor ragnarok but (laughs) that was the very one of the very first ones i saw and i hadn't seen any of the other movies and it was just like i just kept being like 
what the hell is going on? Because it's like, you know, stones yeah. and mystics and all that crap. Anyway, um, so there's going back to Connor. This is a really roundabout way to talk about this. Um, there's this off, this offshoot called WandaVision. And it's like this. It's about two of the characters. And it's really um, it's really well done. And it's kind of like totally different. It's about like processing grief. And it's like a lot more um, psychological, I think, and emotional and you know, I'm a big old ball of emotions, so I love that shit. Um, but anyway, so he he did a drag act for the show last night as one of these characters. And, like, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen WandaVision, just close your ears for a second. But, like, at one point, they show him, like, in pieces in this, like, uh, I, again, I, I'm, I'm so disconnected from this franchise. I don't even know the proper words. But, like, he, like, got destroyed or blown up or whatever, and they show the scene of, like, all of these pieces of his body, and they're trying to put them all back together. And so, like, Connor did this piece, and he was using this Michelle Branch song from the 90s. Actually, I don't know if it's a Michelle Branch song, but it's called, like, Pieces of Me. And so he had, like, superimposed his face over this footage, and he's singing this song while, like, his limbs are spread out on, like, 16 different tables. And it was just, it's so ridiculous. And he's got also a lot of really um, high level video editing skills. So like that was actually like a series of three or four songs that he was able to put together and kind of like walk through plot points of this WandaVision show. And like, I just, I don't know, again, um, like he's done, he's done so many acts that I just, like, I'm just so moved by, like he did one for um, another show at the Newport is the show that we do called the Abhorrent Cinema, which is produced by Lily Rascal and Noah Gray. Just shouting them out. Um, but they basically watch old movies and then they kind of do like a mystery science theater, like commenting on it. And then we have performances that are based off of the, the movie that we're playing. And so he came in and he did this, um, when we were, when we were watching the movie, whatever happened to baby Jane, have you seen that movie? Uh, I haven't seen the film, but I mean, I'm very familiar with what goes on in it. Yeah. So it's, it's Jane Crawford and, uh, Betty Davis yeah. and, yeah, so he basically, like, like he's got a video of this, too, where he's dressed up as both characters. And again, like, the drag is just, like, his ability to paint his face and transform into these characters is really great. And then his characterizations yeah. are, like, just so spot on. And, like, it, it, it's just so cool because I know that, like, anytime I involve him in a show, he's going to come up with something that's so unique and so weird. It's like no one else could ever think about it. Or... Yeah. Last one, another favorite act of, of his that I, I really like. And he this act was in a show that I produced at the Newport called um, The Rabbit Hole, which is like a mix of video and live performance. But he has this whole monologue where he comes out and he's wearing one of those extra long Furbies. Do you know yeah. what this is? I, I, keep, I keep bringing up topics that I feel like you have no um, relation to. But so there obviously there was this Furby craze, like whatever, back in the... 90s 80s hmm. and it's like the, these little things that look like aliens and they talk yeah you know, oh, you yeah, know furbies? No, no, no. yeah so there was this one there's this edition of them where these furbies that are like super super long for some reason and they look weird so anyway connor comes out and he does this whole monologue about how hard it is to have a furby for a penis and he has this like furby on his shoulder and it's such a ridiculous topic and yeah. like when he starts everyone is like what the heck are we watching yeah. And then by the end, he somehow managed to make it this huge monologue into like self-acceptance and loving your body. And it's like hilarious and moving at the same time. And it's yeah. just, it, again, it's, he's the sort of performer where I'm like, I don't know who like 
would think of, oh, what if I had a Furby penis and then make a whole act about it Two, I don't know anyone who could actually do that well. And he's the sort of performer that anytime I book him in a show, I know that he's just going to come up with something like, hmm. again, really unique. And I always just trust in whatever he does. Like he, yeah. I'm like, he'll be like, I could do this. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care what it is. Just bring it. Like it's, he's that sort of performer. Sorry, are you are you familiar with Noel Fielding, the mighty boosh? Yes. Yeah. So when I was watching the clips, especially there was one that you sent me, and I'm like, this is very Noel Fielding at this point. I mean, Noel Fielding obviously has the whole sort of uh, androgyny thing going on with a lot of his look and stuff. But yeah, that when I was watching Connor, I was like, yeah, this is sort of Noel Fielding y to me, where the where he's going with stuff and just the relentless surrealism kind of thing. Yeah, like again, I thought that one monologue I sent you where he's that chicken bat yeah, character. That was and it's, totally no. That was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this could be a part of luxury comedy if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, and again it's like I, I think I think what I really like is like I again, especially with burlesque performance, like there's a lot of people that like I think they kind of stop at the first level. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna parody this thing and it's just like, okay, I'm dressed as this and I'm doing a burlesque oh, yeah. routine or whatever. And then there's like people that kind of <laughs> take it to the next level where they're like, I'm gonna take a character that's well known and like add my own narrative element to it or I'm gonna like go in totally abstract direction. Or like in that case, I, I believe he made up that chicken bag character or if, if it's not made up, I, I wasn't aware of the, the source material. And it's like, you know, it, it, to me, it's just like, he's taking these, he's taking so many steps to like come up with this art that's like no one could touch it because it's just yeah. so specifically him and again i don't i can't imagine anybody else trying to attempt any of these things and doing it well yeah huh yeah because i i'm gonna uh, we have a point of contention to cover here because honestly oh. i am something of a heathen and um i've always admitted that in the past and now i'm an old git and an, a heathen it really limits the things i can enjoy to a very specific part of the spectrum but from the get-go i never ever got drag never got it and and i know there's other people who say because it but let me give my english part of it right so i think there's a lot of roots of drag in english pantomime right which i think mm -hmm. is not an american thing right so you have a pantomime are you, you're familiar with I'll, I'll explain it just in case someone it's right so in Britain, just after Christmas, pantomime season. Pantomime is a standard, um, normally it's like, what do you call them? Nursery rhyme type thing, right? But there's certain conventions to, to pantomime. So the lead character who is male is always played by a female. That's given. Um, there is always like several what you would call drag characters in there right so widow twanky is one of them it's, there's and and it's like pantomime is a formula absolutely a formula but even as a kid i was just sitting there going why is a person who is clearly male pro i don't know to, I am really dating myself. And to say this in 2021, we're both going to get cancelled within 10 minutes of this being published. But as a kid, I'm sitting there going, why is someone who's clearly male playing the female? And why are people who are clearly male playing females? And blah, 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 blah. And it was like, I just didn't get it. And that rolled forward through drag and everything. So clue me in here, like, 
I love surrealism, so I got no problem with someone being something they're not and blah, 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 blah. But I don't get with drag is why it's instantly funny. Like, you, what's the next thing that makes it funny? Well, I don't, I don't think all drag is meant to be funny, to be honest. I mean, I do think that it's all, I think you're right in the sense that, like, it's all rooted in, like, subverting gender or playing with gender or presenting gender in a different way. But, you know, there's some aspects of drag that I kind of have a problem with. Like, there's some misogynistic language, I think, occasionally that surrounds, um, like, drag. Like, I know, you know, there's a compliment you can give a drag performer that a male or um a drag queen, you can, you know, so it, and I don't believe this is really used that much anymore, but if they were really passing well as a female, you would say that they were fishy because it refers fishy. to like, yeah, <laughs> but, it, but that. again, it, it refers to like the smell yeah. of yeah, ladies, yeah, yeah. you know, not to get too graphic. Um, and to me, it's like, you know, I, I think, I think again, like with, well, for, want to back up and say, I don't think it's, I don't think everyone has to appreciate every art form too. Right. And I think like for me, I, I like a lot of drag and there's, there's other types of drag performance that I don't connect to as much. Like, but in both burlesque and drag, I tend to connect to like a more performance art style of, um, of drag more so than like, a, you know, the, probably the most popular version of drag, I would say. And again, I'm not really an expert. So again, I don't wanna yeah. speak out of turn, but you know, there's a, there's a huge market for drag of, you know, a, a person uh, in a in a highly feminized presentation, um, like lip syncing to a song and dancing along to it. That's like probably a drag. It's, it's one of its most basic levels. But like, I think it's similar to burlesque, where it's like you know the a lot of basic burlesque is like you know wearing a sparkly dress and like you know taking things off in kind of this old fashioned um, you know slow strip. Like, oh, I'm a pretty lady. Like to take off this glove and and again I, I i know people that do that really well and i really appreciate their performances but that tends to be stuff that i don't connect to as much mm-hmm. i think that you know a lot of the origins of drag come from like people in the queer community that wanted to explore different sides of their gender and you know mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they their gender orientation was such that they wanted to live their life completely as a female but like also they have feminine aspects of their of their personality that they want to explore and they want to, and I think burlesque and drag are both like kind of critique isn't the right word, but it's, it's a parody of like these ridiculous ideas about what femininity is and what masculinity is. Mm. But I know my friend, um, dusty balls, uh, is a drag King. And I remember talking to him once and he was saying, you know, I want my drag character to be the sort of man that I want to see in the world, like the sort of expression of masculinity that's not toxic and like in your face and aggressive, but like silly and goofy and loving and clever. And Mm. like, they just had a piece in the show last night where they did all of this green screen work where bringing this conversation full circle, they shrunk themselves down and then um, got on their cat and rode them like a, (laughs) (laughs) like a cowboy and it's it sounds ridiculous and it is in the best possible way but it's just the sort of thing that like again that to me starts to branch into this like performance art thing because that's one it's not something you could really see on a stage because you know you can't shrink yourself down and ride a cat on stage and so it's a cool extension of how drag is growing in the whole like post-pandemic age Hmm. but um 
you know, it's silly and it's goofy and it's funny and it's not, it's not deep, but it's, it's wholly entertaining. And again, it's something like I've never seen that before. And that's the sort of stuff with any performance style that I tend to really connect to is like people who are really clever on stage or people who are really original on stage. So again, I don't know if I really answered your question about like why you should appreciate drag, but I also think that like, it might be hard for us to fully understand its importance because like, I, as far as I know, like you've never really struggled with like your gender presentation. Like, I feel like you've, you've always pretty much identified as like a male person. Right. Yeah. And like, and I've generally connected with being a woman, but I have done, um, I, I did a show at one of the productions I used to do where I explored doing drag and um, as a drag king. And I have to say it was super fun, like, especially, you know, for years I've trained as a dancer and I've tried to figure out how to move femininely and like, you know, have these like feminine lines and having to throw that all out the window and having to play with like exploring a side of my personality that I think is there. That's a little more masculine. Like that was really interesting for me to play with. And it was really, and, and I know this sounds like stupid, but it was really informative about like, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was a, it's hard to describe, but it was a really interesting exploration for me because it was something totally different than I'd ever explored. Hmm. Is it, actually, I mean, I was just, um, I was probably overstating it. Like I, I've had, I've seen comedic stuff in the past where like French and saunas were always like playing dudes and there was, uh, Danny LaRue when I was a kid and that always made me laugh, but it was just the whole thing of like, just lip syncing, lip syncing to a song. I was like, why am I not getting this? And it bugs me as a person because I'm such a heathen. It's like, you know, when I go in an art gallery and other people are staring at things going, oh, that's magnificent. And I'm just like, it does nothing for me. And that worries me because it makes me think there's, you know, I'm missing something as a human being. So that's the only reason I bring it up. It's not like I'm like, like, it's not like, oh, it isn't funny. It's just like, why the hell do I not get it? That's, I guess that's a frustration. Well, I mean, again, like, I think we don't have to get everything. We don't have to connect with everything. I do. I I, I have to win. (laughs) You know me. I have to complete and I have to win. Well, I will say just like burlesque, you know, there's, there's different <laughs> levels. Like there's some people that are really great at drag and there's some people that are like newer to drag. And so like maybe their lip syncing isn't as good or, yeah. or what have you. But like, I used to be in a show with this drag queen in Chicago that is now insanely popular because they won a season of RuPaul's Drag Race mm. and um, their name is Shea Coulee. And, and oh, just again, I think if you watched this person, you would get it because they have that one, their lip syncing is on point and they're an athlete on stage, like their, their dance ability. And also like, it's yeah. really frustrating for me to see all of these drag queens that are just so much better at do dancing and moving in heels than I am. Like, I'm like, how do you do that? I can barely walk in these things and you can like do hmm. the drop splits. I mean, it's just insane. Hmm. But again, I think like, I don't think you need to get everything or uh, like, I think like there's some people that like, you know, they'll just see a drag queen walk on stage and they'll, and, and just the, the act of taking in that image of the person's look and, and how they've manipulated their face to express um, their character and stuff like that. You know, I think for a lot of people, like just that alone is already like so moving and then seeing that person Hmm. develop that through dance and performance, it's just like icing on the cake. And then I think there's 
people that are, again, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, I can see that they've done a, that they, they look nice in this costume and they've done a good job with the makeup, but it's not something that, you, you know, you're like, oh, the minute they come on stage. And again, I think that's fine. I just, you know, the one thing I've been thinking about is like, you know, just because like, it's not your cup of tea, doesn't mean it's not like legitimate, which I don't yeah. think you're saying, but yeah. like, I, I hate people that are like, and I think maybe I've just been reading the comment sections of too many articles online, but <laughs> never, like, never read the comment section. No, it's the worst thing. But you know, like I'll see people be like, this doesn't make sense. So it's yeah. shitty. And it's yeah. like, well, obviously that's not the case. Yeah. Oh, you can't stop people peopling, right? Yes, okay. for sure. Well, let, let's rattle off the last three then, because these are more popcorn. These are a little less deep, shall we say, right? So <laughs> so we got one we do agree def definitively on here, which is uh, what we do in the shadows, which I can't work that out. We've brought it up, I think, before. Um, you've got kind of a goth streak to you going on, right? What? I've never heard that before. What, <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think? Why do you think that? Uh, just because there's some gothiness going on in in uh, in the Nosferatu, and then I went to what we do in the show. Well, you know, so I've watched what we do in the shadows because I'm a huge Matt Berry fan. Uh, Natasha Georgiou is in. I mean, that why is that? I brought this up before. Why is this show in America when everyone in it is British? I don't get that, but um, yeah, it's definitely well, I mean, uh, a goodie. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know where the movie was originally released. That was Kiwi, but, right? So that's news, that was filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, because what is that, what is that person's name? That Ta One of the lead characters. Well, Taika Waititi is, that's the, it. is the creator, and then Jermaine Clement, obviously, from Flight of the Concords, was the other Well, and you know, guy. I think Flight of the Concords, like, had a huge influence yeah. on America. Like, I remember when I was in, you know, in college and stuff like that, everyone was like, have you heard of this thing? And, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, so I think like when people have associations with actors and stuff like that, it really helps bridge that gap of like bringing it to the U.S. But I also think like the whole vampire culture has been pretty um, heavily explored and pretty like two dimensional, I think, yeah. in the U.S. Like it's always like we're sexy and we're timeless and, you know, we're yeah. and, and all of that. And so I think when you have this huge base of source material to draw from and like you have this huge, like, you know, this is what vampires are and yeah. not a lot of exploration into other different types of presentations. I think it just like opens up all of these doors. And you know, the thing that I really loved about that is like the TV show and the movie are obviously related, but they're like totally different yeah yeah did, did you have a did you have a preference of uh the tv my, show to the movie well my favorite bit of what we do in the shadows is natasha natasha georgia swearing her head off all the time i love how she just like goes off and she's just swearing her head off about the other guys i don't know <laughs> i'm a child so i like swearing a lot but that's my what's your favorite bit of it like if you can oh god well, like, again, I really loved the movie, but I haven't seen it super recently. But like both a theme that they've done in the movie and the TV show is like when they encounter werewolves. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I love that line, like, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> um, and when they they have that huge build up to their fight and then that one guy just like throw, pretends to throw something off yeah, the man. cliff and then they're like, Roy, no, or whatever his name was like, God, I left my ass off. Yeah. Um, 
And there was that great scene in the TV series where they bring in all of those vampires for that vampire council. Do you remember that scene? And oh, it's like, yeah, and they're all like famous people. Because uh, my oh, issue was, yeah. I was like, oh, that's Tilda Swinton. And then that's so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, too, like the TV show does a nice job of exploring kind of like um, people trying to assimilate to like modern culture. Yeah. And I thought that like they just made a lot of smart additions in the adaption of the TV show from the movie. Like I think having Natasha's character, like having a female Hmm. energy opens a lot of doors just in terms of like, you know, dynamics between her and her husband. And, um, and I think like Guillermo, the actor that plays the the familiar, I thought he was so great. And I loved, and again, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I loved that plot line of him kind of going from this position of, being a meek servant to end up like accidentally being super powerful in yeah, this yeah. vampire slayer and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a good. One. Um, it was a good one. And if you like that, that actress Natasha is in another show that we've been getting into called, um, have you ever heard Staff. of staff? Yeah. L- Let's flat. Yeah. I've got you it. Watched that? I've got it on DVD. Been through it. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we love, and again, I, I, I think it really shows how diverse she is as an actress. Cause like, I think that they're, She's very like obviously she brings her personality to both parts, but I think both of them are so yeah. like different. Like she's so sweet and meek and but just silly in the Stathlet's flats. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. All right, we got two more quickies here before we <sighs> recap. So this one I've gone I'm gonna talk about this because it's a weird swing. So I've never really sat down and watched Brian Reagan because Everything that I've ever heard about him leads me to think I'm not going to like him. Like, because he sounds conventional and just, hey, what's the deal with blah, blah, blah. So how do you connect with Brian Reagan going from all this surrealism and and fantasy stuff? Okay, I, I think in a way that you're right. Like, the one thing I like about Brian Regan is it's like, it's kind of that comedy where it's almost so basic it's, it's such an uncomplicated premise and it's not like, but he does it so well and so originally in a way that you're almost aggravated because you're like, how come no one ever thought of that? Or how come I didn't think about that? Or like, <clears throat> I would, I honestly, I would give him a gander because like, I think he kind of like, again, I think it kind of ties back to like setting up an expectation and then like kind of pivoting away from that when you like deliver. So I think he kind of sets up like, oh I'm just this doofish like like doofus guy that's you know not super smart and like you know you don't I think he tries and I'm not sure if he does this intentionally but there's almost this like idea that you're not going to expect a lot from him and then again he just does these turns that are so like they're so clever but simple and again like that's something that I really enjoy in performance like just seeing somebody do something like that's not a lot of bells and whistles, but it's just done really well. You know, like when things are like, oh, this is just funny and it doesn't have all of these decorations on it. And and it's just like a really solid thing that's executed well. So, so did you end up watching this bit or did you? you I couldn't find it and I I ran out of time. So I will, I will find it though. I will find it. You should just, just do this for me. Just watch, um, please just watch, uh that on the rock special on netflix it's on netflix right now and it's it's really good i i I think you'd like it he's one of adam's favorite comedians hold on i'm just going to 
keep talking. I'm just going to try to fiddle because my computer says it's running low on battery. So okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, as usual, I have completely mismanaged the time, so we are going to accelerate to the end. Past Bob Burgers, I'm afraid. Uh, sorry, Bob. We'll talk about you another, another show. time. Another time. So what I want to know is, let's get to the psychological wrap-up here. What is the genesis of your sense of humor? Like, where is it coming from? Um, well, like, not to get... Not to get super dark, but um, yeah, I grew up in a household with um, some people with like some mental health struggles. And so I think um, as a child, I kind of felt like part of my role in a family was to entertain, um, huh. which, you know, again, I, I think like a lot of comedians also kind of relate to that. Like, you know, it, it, it felt like a pressure to feel like you're lightening the mood or that like you're... <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm not, maybe, I'm not really sure if I'm explaining it correctly. Well, but but, but um, how, how did you find what you find funny? Oh, well, I mean, I, I've always connected to like performing and I've always really loved making people laugh. And so again, I think like, um, like when I was in, in grade school, like I was in a talent show with my sister and we did a, we did a joint ventriloquism act and I think like that's when I really realized that like um, I really like to make people laugh and I kind of started to fall in love with the idea of like creating content that would be entertaining for for people and like would and, and again that idea of like really enjoying things that are clever yeah. um, and then as I came on I, like I've always really loved to like my favorite genre is comedy and I think like I've always really loved making my sister laugh. And so we would always like try to find stuff that would, would make her laugh. And a lot of times it was like really stupid and silly stuff. And so I think that just kind of developed into like, I feel like I'm not answering this question well, but like, I don't know. I mean, that's a weird question about like where your sense of humor comes from. Um, uh, and I'm not again. I'm not sure if I've ha if I have a good answer for that, but I just know that like, I think, I think it, it really takes a, a specific type of intelligence to. Um, I'm okay. So I'm I'm trying to multitask here. Uh oh. Because um, hold on. I'm afraid my computer's gonna die, and for whatever reason, it's not. Um, all right, we've spliced the two bits together. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay, well, I've got my iPad going, so worst case, um, I can switch over <laughs> to that quickly. But uh, so where was I? Because I feel like now I'm totally off topic. Um, we were just talking about genesis of sensory. It's all right to not know it. I'm just, I'm always interested to see if someone can go, oh, yeah, it was, it was the summer of 1978, and this thing happened that made me realize this is how I want to be from now on. Well, know? I know like I, I, uh, for years for Christmas, I would, um, I would make these videos for my relatives because I would always make these Christmas videos that would be like, I couldn't afford to get you a present this year, but, um, instead I decided to make you this movie explaining why I couldn't get you a present. And then like each year they were kind of different. So one year it was like parodies of movies that were popular at that time. Yeah. Um, and then like another year it was, 
like, oh, I can't even remember all of them. Like one year we redid this um, episode of the Twilight Zone. But there's this episode called Talking Tina about this possessed doll that comes I, to life. I literally watched that a week or so ago. Yeah, my family loves that episode. And so we redid it. But like the doll was like a doll that was supposed to be my uncle. And so we kept like walking in and he was like playing the guitar. Like we walked in and he was like, uh, like, uh, what was another thing? He was like in a running outfit because he was about to go out for a run and stuff like that. And so that was really an origin of like realizing that I really like to make movies and I like to write comedic things and perform mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I felt like I just felt really proud. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, this feels really right. Like I've always liked comedic things. And I liked I, I, I have a lot of pride in like if I'm able to be clever or funny on stage. Like mm -hmm. to me, that feels really good. And it feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is, you know, obviously such bullshit but um yeah so I think like in terms of like me wanting to do more comedic things that was kind of the origins of that was like I felt like in my family I'd always played a role of being kind of an entertainer and then like when I realized that like maybe I could entertain people outside my family yeah. um you know it just it was yeah it just I remember feeling like a lot of like yeah this is it this is what I want to be doing okay all right. Well, uh, actually, we'll wrap up with a quick, the quick fun section, which is purely for my own ego and entertainment. <laughs> uh, so I sent you a couple of links. Uh, the first one was a Diane Morgan wankers uh, one minute thing, uh, which is about sort of she did a whole series of things skewering the sort of cool Camden kids of London. And I thought, oh, Megan will probably like this because she's probably encountered plenty of wankers in her time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like, um, Adam sometimes talks about like people setting up the pins and then another person like knocking them down. And that was like, to me, like such a classic example of that, like how the setups and the, and like the delivery on the punchline were so like well-timed. And yeah, and like, again, I think, like the burlesque industry is great because everybody is very like aware and we're like uh, tackling issues that are important and addressing them. And I think as an art form, that's a little more, um, you know, subversive in general, like having that aspect isn't a bad thing at all, but you definitely like meet people that are so woke. They're like awake in a different reality, yeah. you know, or like, Painful. they're, they're they're like getting in their own way where I'm like, you know, this isn't like, this isn't, this is just posturing and it's not, it's not actual, you know, investment in these issues that you're claiming to represent. And I think like, you know, it's interesting in my generation because I think, I think, I think that there was like a lot of pressure. Like, I think that, you know, we were raised being like, you can be any, anything you want to be and anyone you want to be, but like, I've found now that people like they want to have their elevator pitch ready for who they are. So it's like, yeah. I'm this person and I'm a blank, 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 blank. Yeah. And, and I think like there is a pressure to kind of define yourself as something unique outside of anybody else. And, um, and I think, yeah, that obviously sometimes people can take that too far. And, and again, that's not to say I'm not trying to like, Obviously, there's people where there's like things about their identity that can be summed up in a word that's also a huge formative part of their identity. And I'm not necessarily talking about those people, but I feel like sometimes people are like trying to collect things to be like, 
you know, and that the sketch kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Okay. So it did make you laugh. That's the important point, I guess. That's, yeah. I, 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 for me, it's a win-lose situation. So. I love the, the when she holds up the sign that says, like, fuck capitalism and stuff. <laughs> I love that thing about, yeah, people, like, trying to be like, I know this is controversial, but, like, yeah. I think capitalism has problems. It's, like, <laughs> again, it kind of ties into what I think uh-huh. of people in my generation struggling for identity. And then the second clip was a classic French and Saunders, like, uh, making fun of, of an opera recording, um, which is a longer piece, but I thought you'd get a kick out of it as well. Well, I totally related to that guy in the pink sweater that's just bustling around like shuffling papers and <laughs> just, being an anxious idiot because that's like pretty I, much every I just, time I run a show at Newport. And getting <laughs> in like, a, and actually being counterproductive, even though he's desperately trying to be productive. And honestly, I think that that is like a huge, a huge thing I struggle with. It's like, I'm such a people pleaser at times that I think like I want, I'm like almost overcompensating and people are like, just leave me alone. I'm fine. I can do this. But I'm like, do you need like crackers in the dressing room or water? Or like, you know, and then I accidentally spill water all over somebody or something. There's a bit in um, it, there's a bit in it where the, the sound guy sets a slider on the board and then he changes it again. And the sound guy just looks at him and slides it straight back to <laughs> was i'm like fucking hell that's me that's a mark gary move yeah and that i don't know if you've ever watched documentary now have you ever heard of that yeah show? i've watched all of them yeah yeah that it reminded me so much of the um the the episode where they're parodying the cast recording of company they're and they're recording that yeah oh she's gone well i'm gonna wrap this episode up without my guest Oh, here she is. She's rejoined on iPad, so she's come just Sorry, to say I don't goodbye. Know what, my computer's been having a bunch of issues, and um, on, let me switch over. I was just saying goodbye on your behalf, Megan. That was all, anyway. So, uh, so yeah, we can wrap up. So, yeah, uh, the what did you say? Documentary now, yeah. Yeah, like, um, I, well, I'm a huge musical theater nerd, also, so I just really related to. Um, you know, like, I loved how ridiculous the songs were. Like, I don't know if you remember that song where the guy's singing really fast and he's like, I'm sorry, da 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 And then he ends with like, I just did a little cocaine tonight. I remember when I heard, when I heard that punchline, again, it was one of those old man wheezing reactions where I was just like, oh my God. Like, cause you know, the whole time you're like, what is going on with this guy? And then when you get to that punchline, it's just so satisfying. Um, and yeah, I think like it just that one, uh, that episode, I think was a really cool exploration of like um, of of the type of personalities a lot of times you encounter in like musical theater and the arts of like the people that are just taking their jobs so seriously to the yeah. point where they're like, and I we actually, after we watched that, we went and we watched the original documentary that that was based off of. Have you ever seen that one, Mark? No, no. I would recommend, it's, it's, like they really didn't do much to uh <laughs> to heighten it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the the uh, Stephen Stephen Sondheim or whatever in the documentary. You're like, damn, this dude is intense, you know. Like, and and he's a bit of an asshole in a really in a, in a inadvertently funny way, where you're like, oh, I can totally see why someone saw this and was like, this is ripe for parody. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that that sketch that you sent me that really um brought me back to those that particular episode and how much I enjoyed that. 
But I think it's interesting because like both of those pieces that you sent are like really fundamentally different because one of them is just like a straight up like setting up the punchline, delivering the punchline, and it's really quick and witty. And then like the second one is a lot more subtle in terms of like, you know, those like blink and you miss it minutes, like the sliders and stuff like that. Like I'm sure that some people watched it and they didn't necessarily like pick up on that or like maybe connect to why that would be funny. If, and especially if you're not like in our industry where you know that there's, you've encountered those sort of people that just want to meddle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. righty. Well, that is our episode then. I have once again blown completely past the time management window. Um, but thank you very much for joining Eva. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well, that has been You Think That's Funny podcast for this uh, week, year, whatever it is. Maybe you're listening to them every six months. Maybe I'm talking to myself at this point. Um, we would like to say go to youthinkthatsfunnypodcast.com to check out the links that we were discussing and some of the other stuff. And that'll be it. Bye. And play that jangly guitar music. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding.